Welcome to Gorsainen and Lacha to our service online this week. You probably know that we're back in church and services are available in the morning in St. Catherine's in Gorsainen and in the afternoon in St. David's in Lacha. But we know that there are still some of you who are not able or for good reason are cautious. And so it's good to have you with us in this virtual congregation. So, welcome, and in a moment we shall go on to our readings and our prayers, and Ben is going to preach for us. But first, let's pray. Help us, Father, to pray, to gather, even though only through the internet. Help us to know your presence and the guidance of your Spirit, that what is read may make sense, that what is said may help to guide us, that the prayers may be prayers that we can share and offer for ourselves. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
for the director of music, Apostle Psalm David. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet the voice goes out into all the earth, their words do the ends of the world. In the heavens of God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing on his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes the circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of his warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are white, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring it forever. The degrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much poor gold. They are sweet like honey, than honey from the honeycomb. But then your servant is warned, in keeping them there is a great reward. But you can discern your own errors, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins, may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. A reading from Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. 
for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. A reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentation parts our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, 
and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we approach the Six Nations, I thought I would use rugby to help illustrate the importance of different parts in fulfilling a common purpose. In rugby, there are different positions, and typically different body types form those positions. Normally, a second row forward is the tallest and biggest player on the pitch. This is to reach highest in order to secure lineup. A scrum half is traditionally small and quick. This is so they are able to follow the ball around and secure good service to the backs quickly. Typically, in order to win, you need all parts of the team to be on top of the game. The forwards winning the physical battle in order to secure good ball for the backs to convert into points on the scoreboard. And so it is with the church. We are all different, bringing different skill sets and abilities, different strengths and different weaknesses. In order to present an attractive face of the church in this our community of Gesainan and Lacha, as St. Paul puts it, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So let us, as a community, as the body of Christ, walk at God's side. Let us discern through prayer and through worship the purpose of God here, and let us try to bring it about in acts of love and acts of service. In the early church, sin was primarily a sin against the community, against the people with whom you lived and had your being. The goal of penance in those times was reconciliation to the community in order to maintain harmony and coherence. As time passed, sin became less about public and more of an individual matter. We live today in a tension between these two understandings and scandals that come to light have highlighted forcefully that there are public implications of the ways in which we live privately. On the whole, the world finds it more comfortable if the church sticks to sin as a private morality. But it is also discovering that religious leaders have significant contributions to make in the face of current public ethical crises, such as Archbishop Desmond Tutu, on the apartheid in South Africa, and Archbishop Justin Welby on climate change. Let us as a church in our community be aware of God and try to walk at his side. Where he is already at work, let us come alongside him. Today's readings face us with these communal implications. Ezra read the law to the returned exiles who just a few days earlier had completed the city walls. They lived more securely, but not righteously. The manifestation of this was that they oppressed their kin, charging them interest on loans. The Corinthians were keen on some spiritual gifts, but seemingly not on striving for gifts such as forms of assistance to aid the weaker and poorer members of the body. Jesus began his public ministry in Luke by teaching. This is in contrast to Mark's beginning with miracles, 
by defining his ministry in Isaiah's words of healing, wholeness, and liberation for needy people, what is commonly called the Nazareth Manifesto. The response of Ezra's hearers was penitence. They wept. That was a start. But Nehemiah wanted more of them than this. They had to learn not just to be sorry, but to live righteously, to be holy in their daily lives. At that moment, this meant worshipping God with joy and ensuring that the poor, whom they had previously exploited, had food and wine with which to join the celebration. This was to be radical, Ebenezer Scrooge-type conversion. What does it mean for us today in our community? What can we do as the body of Christ here in our part of Swansea? The Corinthians struggled, as we might in their shoes, to grasp the full implications of the grace that had grasped them. Jesus' hearers were excited initially by his preaching. But oddly, the gospel amidst the opposition once Jesus had spelled out the consequences. What really riled his former neighbours was his claim that God's track record of favouring the Jewish people was not as pure as they liked to think. Through two of their leading prophets, God acted outside religious boundaries to care for people they despised and knew as Gentiles. What angered the people was the apparent compliment that Jesus paid to the non-Jews. The Jews were so sure that they were God's people that they tended to look down on all others. Let us not make this same mistake. Some believe that God had created Gentiles to be fuel for the fires of hell. And here was this young Jesus whom they all knew, preaching as if the Gentiles were specially favoured by God. It was beginning to dawn upon them that there were things in this new message, the like of which they had never dreamed. Let us never draw a line dividing us and them, who is in and who is out, because if we do, we may well find our Lord on the other side. Is there more we can be doing for the outcast, for the downtrodden? How can we show the love of Christ? How can we walk? at God's side. In the 6th century, Gregory the Great described the joys of the contemplative vision of God, but also the constant need for the active life, with its discipline and service expressed in meeting the needs of the poor and caring for one's family. Put another way, John Sabrino defines spirituality as kinship with God. It is walking at God's side. It is being and working in history as God is and works. It is our yes to Jesus' basic demand. You must be made perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. As a liberation theologian, Sabrino argues that the means by which we know God, who is unfathomable, unfathomable mystery, is the practice of right and justice towards the poor, with a goal of liberation. Jesus did this when John's disciples asked whether he was the one sent from God. Luke has him returning to his theme of the blind seeing and the poor having good news preached to them.
as stated in the Nazareth Manifesto. This is what revealed his identity. It is also what will reveal us as Christians and as the church in our community. As St. Francis of Assisi is believed to have said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Ultimately, public and private spirituality and morality are two sides of one coin. The way we live expresses and shapes who we are. As the old adage goes, you are what you repeatedly do. And to bring another sport reference into it, winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. Let us be a team intent on winning, winning souls for Christ in word and in deed. Let us walk at God's side, through whom all things are possible. Like Ezra's returned exiles, who were understandably focused on their security, and like the Corinthians, who were fascinated by the signs and wonders of their new faith, but less keen on its ethical implications, we too can miss encountering God through the poor, the downtrodden, and the outcast in our midst. This makes the petition we hear in the Collect so important. We ask God, who caused light to shine out of darkness, an act that the scientific discoveries make wonderful almost by the day, to shine the gospel in our hearts, dispelling ours, not someone else's ignorance and unbelief, and revealing the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. We, together with the world that is watching the church, may be surprised by how God answers. Amen.
Let us pray. Father, as we give thanks for the discovery of Jesus through his reading and sermon in his hometown in Nazareth, we praise you for making him known to us, and above all, through his death and resurrection. Help us, individually and in our congregations, to show his love in our own time and place. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As we remember those first followers of Jesus, we pray for our church, that we may walk closely with God, both practically and prayerfully. Bless our leaders. We remember Andy, our new Archbishop, and John, our new Bishop. We remember Adrian, and think of him as he and Claire expect their first baby. And we pray for all who teach and organise and care in the Christian community. Guide us in our interaction with the wider society, that they may know something of the glory of God through us and not find us an irritating or difficult presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our world, always in need. Guide those who govern and legislate, that they may act wisely for the good of all, and encourage us to all that is good and wholesome. Direct those with economic and social power, that there may be enough to provide prosperity, sorry, that there may be enough prosperity to provide for all your people, without endangering future generations. Restrain those with the power to unleash violence, that we may be spared war and terror. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Remember the needy and desperate. Let us be alert to their plight and ready to offer practical help. Watch with the ill and the dying and be a companion to those who care for them. Provide advice and friendship for those confused or threatened and comfort those who simply find life hard to face up to. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Teach us, Lord, not to become depressed by the many needs and wrongs we discover, but to give thanks for your provision. Let our discovery of Jesus continue and deepen, that your Spirit may bring us day by day new resources to enliven our Christian life and support those we need. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you for joining us. I hope it's been some help and comfort to you. Remember that we are still here if there's a particular need that we can help with, or if you're able to come and join us in person, you're always welcome. There is online information about some of the meetings and gatherings that we have as well as services. But now, let's go out into the world in God's name, and let me bless you. Father, we've listened and thought and prayed. Now, in your mercy, send us out to live as your people, faithfully, as your disciples, guided by your Spirit, to serve you in whatever way you direct, to meet the needs of those around us, to be a blessing to the world, as you are a blessing to us. And we ask that you'll make that blessing known to us and through us, for the sake of Jesus, your Son. Amen. And as we say in church, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.